Hello, I'm Vern. Welcome back to Story Molder. Today's story is entitled Christmas Time at Shiloh. A long, long time ago, in a place called Happy Hollow, that's any city in the South where people long to go to the North, there lived Mrs. Martha Marie Mixon. One day, Mrs. Martha Marie Mixon left her home in Happy Hollow and moved to the North, leaving her husband Madison behind. When describing herself to strangers, she says, I'm a widow lady. To her family and friends, she tells vividly of why she left her husband and moved North and how he had never been no count even before the war, she says. The fact of the matter is, she said, my man Madison was never no hand to work. He was descending down as man you ever seed. It wouldn't have been so bad, but Madison was a likely man, and his tongue was smoother than the Nile. So he got alone just about as he pleased. I used to lecture that man much about his own shiftless ways, but he just went along. He just wouldn't work, and I had to do everything. He always had what he called some great scheme that never seemed to come to nothing. One time, when he got some people to put some money in something that broke up, they come around and pretty near touring and feathering him. So I finally just got so tired of that man's carrying on. So one day I said to him, Madison, I'm tired of all this foolishness. So I'm going up north where I can live and be somebody. If ever you make a man out of yourself and you want me, the Bible says, seek and ye shall receive. She headed north. She soon became very prosperous. She settled on Shiloh Chapel, an old-fashioned church. It had a large and active membership, and they welcomed her with open arms. Its pastor was the Reverend Silas Toddberry. He believed that any preparation for preaching the gospel was unnecessary. It was his firm trust and often his boast that if one opened his mouth, the Lord would surely fill it. His converts were many and his congregation grew, so it was a settled belief that the Lord had filled his quite acceptably. His education might have been deficient, but one thing he knew, and he knew thoroughly, was his people. He knew just what weaknesses, longings, and desires they had. With his astuteness, he always addressed their situation. He knew that when he preached, they wanted noise, emotion, and fire. He knew that they wanted their preacher to be free-hearted and cordial. He knew that when Christmas came, they wanted a great celebration. So Christmas meant a week of pleasurable excitement. So he began his preparation early for a big time on Christmas. I tell you people, he said to his congregation, we are going to have a regular Benjamin mess. 
Now, men of his congregation didn't know what that meant. It meant a large event. But they laughed heartily <laughs> and said with admiration, <laughs> that Carberry, that Tarberry is what miss itself. Now, any of the sisters that's willing to help make this coming Christmas a real sure enough one, I would appreciate it if you would meet me in the basement of the church after services. The brothers can go on home until we call for you. A little later, about 10 or more sisters met the pastor as he requested. Among them was Martha Marie Mixon. She was very close to the pastor and had invited him to dinner many times. Ah, said the pastor, rubbing his hands. Sister Marthy, I see you on hand as usual to help me out. And you too, Sister Jenny and Sister Dicey, he added quickly to check any signs of jealousy. And he stood equally ready to check it, though. We are all here, the faithful few, and we are all ready to work. The sister beamed and nodded. Well, we're going to have something every night, beginning with Christmas night, straight on and during the week. I want to separate you all into committees to take charge of each night. Now, I'm going to have a powerful preacher here from the South. I want you all to show him what we can do. On Christmas Day, we're going to have a sermon at the church and a festival in the evening with a Christmas tree. Sister Marthy, I want you to board the minister. La, Brother Tarberry, I don't scarcely feel like I's important enough for that, said Mrs. Mixon modestly, but I do the best I can. We have no doubt about what you are able to do, Sister Marthy. And he went on to appointing other committees. After the evening services, the brothers were called and appointed to their respective duties. The people were filled with joy to have these responsibilities. It made them look forward to Christmas year after year. The week would be full of excitement and pleasure. They would eat, dance, sing, enjoy themselves. They felt connected with the things that made it feel more like the sacred holiday it was, with personal meaning and charm. During this time of year, a sister and a brother of the church could not meet without a friendly banter. Hi, Sister Dyson, Brother Williams would call out across the fence to his neighbor. I don't believe you're doing anything toward that Christmas celebration. Every time I see you, you're in the wash tub trying to make bread and meat for that no-count man of yours. Sister Dyson laughed, rang out loud and musical before she replied, <laughs> Never you mind, Brother William. I don't see your bike bit. Oh, honey, I'm laboring if you don't know it, but you'll see it on that day. I know you're laboring the most to get that wife of yours a new dress. The banter would go on. Also, in every house, the younger ones were making their plans, whispering and giggling. And You're going to give me the pleasure of your company to the dance tonight, as a young man, flirting with a young girl. She would lash back, hush, you won't Reverend Todd Mary touching me. But he knew that if he persisted, she would not refuse him. 
So as the world goes on, so does everything else to keep pace with the great preparation. Meanwhile, Martha Marie Mixon was determined to excel over and beyond herself this time. Her entertainment for that strange preacher was going to be an occasion long to be remembered. She made up in her mind. All of New York was a dazzling bazaar. Everyone was a child again. Everywhere you could see the holly wreaths with the red berries gleaming amongst the green. The white covered streets were gay with laughter, bustle, and life. On the night before the great day, Martha sat before her fire and hummed softly to herself. There was a smile on her face as she hummed because she had worked hard and she felt pretty pleased with herself. She held something which shall remain nameless in a tin cup. Every now and then, she broke her daydreaming to sip on the sweet pungent and suspicious liquid. But then it was Christmas Eve. She was half asleep when a brisk knock woke her up. Thinking it was a neighbor, she yelled in, come on in. There was a stamping of the feet. And the door opened. Yeah. A black man covered with snow stood before her. He said nothing. Groggy, Martha rubbed her eyes and stared at him. Then she looked at her cup accusingly. Then she looked back at the man. Then she rubbed her eyes again. What, what, what? She stammered, standing slowly. Don't you know me, Marthy? Don't you know me? And don't you want to see your husband? Madison Nixon, is that you in the flesh? It's me, Marthy. You told me if ever I made a man of myself to seek you. It's been a long road, but I have tried faithfully. All oh, the memories of the old days came rushing back to Martha in an overwhelming flood. In one moment, everything was forgotten. She threw out her arms. He rushed to her and embraced her. You will take me back, he cried. You will forgive me? Yes, yes, of course I will, Madison, if you have made a man of yourself. I hope to prove that to you. Never once did she think about tomorrow when the visitor was coming to dinner, nor did she once suspect that Madison might be up to one of his old tricks. She accepted him for just what he said he wasn't intended to be. Her first doubt came the next morning when she began to hurry to get ready for church. Madison was already dressed. He turned to her and said, I gotta go out to take care of some business. What? On the very first day you're here? Are you going to church with me? The business is mighty pressing, but I hope to see you at church. With his hand on the door, he asked, Where do you sit? Martha sank into a chair and fought back tears, but she would not allow him to see how much she was hurt. She told him in a faltering voice where she sat, and he left. Then she burst into tears that flooded away her last hope. She had hoped to walk to church with her husband that morning, 
And now, now it was all over. She thought for a minute that she just wouldn't go to church. Then she remembered all the preparation that she had made for the visiting minister, and she decided to go on. The church was crowded that morning. When Martha arrived, she looked around in vain. Her husband was not there. When she didn't see him, she sank into her seat with a sigh. She saw the visiting minister drooping in his seat behind the reading desk. He was obviously deep in meditation. He did not even get up during the singing. Then Martha heard the Reverend Silas Tartberry speaking. His word did not affect her until she found that the entire closing sentence was flashing through her brain like a flame. We will now be exalted by the Reverend Madison Mixon. She couldn't believe her ears. Jogged into alertness, she stared wildly at the pulpit where the visiting preacher stood. It was Madison, her husband. Her first instinct was to stop him from profounding the church with another one of his tricks. But his look and voice silenced her. In amazement, she sank back into her seat as he preached a powerful sermon. His closing told something about his life and who he was. All of a sudden, Martha found herself the center of attention. Her face glowed and her heart burned within as the people around her nodded and smiled at her through their tears. They hurled amen, 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 after amen. After the services, Madison hurried to his wife's side and said, I just wanted to surprise you a little, Marthy. She was so happy. Holding his arm very tightly, she walked out of the church amongst her congratulating friends. Between her husband and the Reverend Silas Tarberry, she walked proudly back home to her Christmas dinner. I'm dreaming tonight of a place I love even more than I usually do. And although I know it's a long road back, I promise you I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree for me. Christmas Eve you'll Find me where the love light gleamed. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. This is a lovely Christmas holiday classic that speaks of hopes and dreams of being home together with loved ones at Christmas time. It was written by Kim Gannon and Walter Kent during World War II. This Christmas, let us remember our soldiers who are away from their families protecting our peace. There's no place like home. Thank you for dropping by to listen to my story. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
Goodbye for now.